0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey, everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview.
1: Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and today I am doing a special crossover podcast episode with Hollywood bad guy, Jasper Cole. Jasper hosts the podcast one-on-one with Jasper Cole on Blog Talk Radio. We are going to start with me interviewing Jasper for Burying It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network, and then we'll flip the mic and Jasper will interview me for one on one with Jasper Cole. So stay tuned. Hey, Jasper.
0: Hey, Adam. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Well, we are hunkered down in Palm Springs, California. Just uh, pandemic 2020, right?
1: Yes. As I am hunkered down in New York City. <laughs> the the epicenter <laughs> of it all. Yes, it's been. Um, it certainly has been an experience here and um, every day, I feel like, is something different. Right, right. How have you been handling it so far?
0: Well, you know, I I, I told someone recently, I kind of feel like we're in this a little bit of a bubble, because, Mm -hmm. you know, it is a tourist town, so uh, most of the, quote, snowbirds left early, and the tourists left, and it's it's kind of a I think the population is twenty five thousand without tourists. So I don't know. We're it's we've been fortunate that we have not had a lot of cases and deaths. But we're really diligent about you know in California we have to wear the mask um, when you're out walking. You can have it down, but if you come near someone, you have to pull it up.
1: Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> yeah it's That's similar uh, here to new york you have to as, now you have to wear a mask if you're going into any stores or if you're out right out. right. it's
0: the whole thing is just surreal you know i i know we keep saying that over and over but it's uh the new normal i guess
1: it is it is i mean i think i think um everybody's learning a, a new way to live and a new way to do their work and i think um businesses are going to sort of see afterwards that maybe they don't I think that business is going to be conducted in a different way afterwards
0: right I was saying recently don't you think too like for a lot of companies they're going to realize wait why are we having people drive in traffic to come sit at a cubicle and talk on the phone and the computer they could do that at home
1: Right, and then you don't need as big an office space to right. to rent. I mean, companies could save so much money on that on the rent alone
0: exactly. so they, I mean, I guess in every tragic situation, there's always some good stuff that comes out of it. I hate to use that word good, but you know some some positive stuff that will change. So I agree with you, and in in the entertainment industry in particular, I mean, we've just been. Devastated by it, I, I spoke to the president of SAG yesterday, uh, Gabrielle Catteris, and basically, in a nutshell, I mean, they they were hoping to look at maybe September first for a potential go back to work date, but with mm-hmm. all with the fact that all the unions have to get together and agree, I I really think it's going to be January.
1: Yes, uh, yeah. I was just having this discussion with my brother about Broadway, and and I mean. I know right now the the latest news is that it'll you know, hopefully reopen June 7th. But I, I see it also as like a September or possibly even, I hate to say it, but similar January I know, I know. K- kind of situation.
0: In a strange way, it's almost like maybe it would be a great way to start the new year. I mean, I know that sounds horrible, yeah. but a complete reboot, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Hopefully 2021 will be the new year that everybody was hoping 2020 would be. Right. With right. all the good prosperity and and have the economy come back and everybody be able to see each other in person and and hug each other and not have to be socially distant.
0: Yeah. I mean, to that point, though, do you think um, it's interesting because I, I kind of feel like we're going to be so shell shocked in the beginning about hugging and shaking (laughs) hands, you know what I mean? Like not even fist bumping or elbow touching or (laughs) (laughs) it'll be interesting to see how that happens.
1: It will be, it will be. I mean, I think it'll take a little bit for everybody to get used to that part of life again and going back to, you know, movie theaters and sitting down at restaurants and going to, to theatrical shows and um, all of those kinds of events I think social things yeah yeah I think it'll be a progression once everything reopens right yeah exactly yeah
0: yeah so we're gonna just be positive and uh just say that you know it's gonna be a new beginning and it's never gonna go back you know one thing as you get older and I'm 56 now uh, you do realize um that change is part of life and that's a hard thing to accept but
1: exactly it's gonna something new is gonna come out of this, and you, everyone is just gonna have to adapt, right? To You've it, gotta
0: change with it.
1: I could talk about this forever with you, but uh, I do want to find out a little bit about you.
0: Let's get to the really good. Let's get Porter to the entertaining shallow, stuff. Yeah. Shallow stuff about entertainment. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> Enough
0: about the pandemic. Come on. Enough.
1: Now. Yes. Let's get to the <laughs> Let's get to the entertaining, which is what we do best. Right. Right. So now we have done two interviews together on my website. Mm-hmm. So and this thank is you our for that. oh you're welcome. I'm so excited to support you because you you do such great work and um with your podcast you really um you have a whole whole section which we're gonna get into about helping mm-hmm. the homeless and you do such great things and I love your, your conversations with um with your guests and you and and Ralph Cole Jr., <laughs> I love your rapport together. Thank you. He's
0: it's, he's my brother from another mother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes,
1: I I got to interview him too several years ago for my website. And oh, he was good. he was yeah he was really great. He's amazing. Just, I love yeah, him. Yeah. Yes. So for my new listeners or, or for my listeners who didn't get to see our previous interviews on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just do a quick recap of like how you got into acting, um, sure. who who sort of inspired you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up in uh, Athens, Georgia. I was the youngest of four boys and we were a very kind of athletic family. You know, when you're the youngest, you just kind of follow in your brother's footsteps. I, I call myself a A closeted thespian. I, I, I I mean, I always wanted to act. I, for me, really, um, the it's it's probably the gayest thing I'll say today um, is the Wizard of Oz. Of course, when I saw that (laughs) as a kid, um, I was just mesmerized, and I, I didn't really know what that was or what show business was or movie making, but, but I knew I wanted to do that, but I never talked Mm -hmm. about it, didn't do anything. So it wasn't until I graduated high school and I tried to do the college route. Um, just like a lot of young people, you know, you want to do what your parents think you should do. And I, um, I did that for two years and long story short, I met a fellow Athenian, Becky Kennedy. And we started going to the Atlanta Alliance Theater in school in Atlanta. And it was kind of a full embodying of playwriting and acting and all that stuff. And she and I got together and we co-wrote a silly, mindless little show called Willow Springs Now. And it was basically, I don't know if you remember Fernwood Tonight. I mean, of course, you're young. But it was a, was a, a, a talk show set in like a cable access station in south georgia and we played the two idiot host (laughs) ironically all these years later i would be hosting podcasts but right yeah and we did we we did it in atlanta and it it got some attention and um long story short we decided to make the move to los angeles uh in 1987 and bring our little show with us. And we had our little backdrop and we're both in two, (laughs) you know, we were in two cars. I followed her all the way out for the four day trip. And, but you know, Adam is so funny. Like when you're 23 and you just are fearless and you think, you know, what the hell I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Didn't know anybody here at all. Um, Becky had gone to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York for the summer. And she really wanted to go to New York. And I had been to L.A. three times prior, and I had fallen in love with California. So she literally moved here on a whim. Like, she'd never even seen it. Um, So
1: wait, you drove out together from Atlanta, and then then she soon after left to go to New York for the summer?
0: No, she had already gone to New York the summer before I met her. Oh, okay. And so when we were trying to decide where to go with our little show... She wanted to do New York, and I, I always thought of television. Like I thought it was going to be a sitcom star because mm-hmm. comedy was kind of my thing. So I convinced her to come to L.A., and I'm glad we did because we brought the show. We found a producer, and basically what happened was there was a long-running play called Bleacher Bums that had been running for like three years or something um, in L.A. in a little um, – we call them uh, black box 99 seat equity for yes. theaters we have those two okay yeah so he said to us you know hey kiddo um i'll put you on after bleacher bums at 11 o'clock at night um and we'll see what happens and what it was is we played the host and then we created these characters that would come on and play guest in this small town in georgia but what started happening is we started getting a following and it took off and we really got a lot of attention and uh Fox Fox had just started their television division at that time and mm-hmm. they approached us about a pilot and it was one of those magical kind of stories but the the the, the moral of this story is i kind of thought that's how it was going to be forever and i got an agent mm-hmm. and a manager and then of course the pilot didn't happen and the show closed and um it was the best thing that ever happened because now it's like, okay, Jasper, you're in LA. Are you going to really pursue this? And I did. And Mm -hmm. I started my journey, you know, of, of temping and hustling and getting small parts along the way. And, but luckily I had, because I produced the show with her, I had, and I had written the show. I kind of always came in the business at more than just acting.
1: Yes. Yeah. I I was going to say you, you also you direct, you produce, you you have your hand sort of in a little bit of everything.
0: I always say I'm kind of a Jamaican without, <laughs> without the pretty dreadlocks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, but um, I just, yeah, I've always kind of, that's when, when I can just act and I get hired to just go act. It's such a, a wonderful thing for me because I can just, I can watch things fall apart around me and just be like, mm, not my problem today, guys. You right. <laughs>
1: I'm just an actor today. That's so, right. I don't have to worry about all that tech stuff, behind-the-scenes stuff. Right, all the someone chaos. Else will, yeah, someone else will take care of that. Now, for other hopeful actors out there listening, how how long did you spend having to do a side hustle before um, you you felt you were able to make it solely acting? And was it a particular role or movie or something that gave you that
0: confidence. Yeah. So let's see, I moved there in 80s. I moved there. I moved to LA in 87. And I first got a temp job um, at McDonnell Douglas airport, where they made aircrafts. And I, I got like a permanent, but it was like, it was perfect. Six in the morning till three. And then I was free to do auditions and stuff like that. But then about um, in 1990, I became the permanent temp at Ogilvy and Mather advertising. And I was able to leave and come and go. And I started booking, you know, I started booking uh, guest spots on TV shows, but that's just like, you know, a paycheck here and a paycheck there. Right. Um, and I, people laugh that uh, remember me from back then because I was basically running a production company from the mailroom at Ogilvy and <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> I was producing oh plays God. and stuff. But it was 1995. I got a, my first ever... TV pilot it was uh for showtime and it paid me which at that time was a huge amount of money uh and I thought well you know what I think I'm gonna just take the jump the leap here and uh just pursue that you know that full time and 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 then from that my production company started doing more lucrative stuff and mm-hmm. uh, producing theater and then producing more film and but yeah, it was 95, I guess, was when I stopped my quote side hustle. Although it's funny because I still have these side hustles of, you know, the production company and I, I'm also, uh,
1: I manage some actors and so yes, it, I've seen that on Facebook that you, you, you do some PR for people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, you know, it's just, um, and then I've really got into the producing on the TV side and, uh. It's just, you know, for me, all that stuff kind of made me a better actor because mm. what it does is I don't have time to really obsess on the acting. Like I don't have to. Uh, it's funny. I'd say to young actors, sometimes, you know, when it the thing we want the most is the hardest to get other mm-hmm. things that kind of fall in our laps. We we weren't obsessed about it. And so I've tried to find this balance now with my acting where it's like, you know, I, I really believe you get the parts that you're supposed to get. Um, and it's that just wasn't my blessing. That was going to be somebody else's blessing that day. Mm. So, but that comes with, you know, getting older, I think. And once you have a body of work, it's easy to say, you know, well, I don't have to obsess because they know my work, but, right. but, but to what we were saying earlier, you have to keep kind of reinventing yourself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and staying current and kind of rolling with the changes and, um, every decade, it seems like everything switches. You know, it used to be paper, and then it went to everything. It used to be black and white photos, and then it was paper breakdowns, program. and now it's everything online and self tapes, and mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. It's 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 ever it's ever evolving. We we actually touched upon that in our second interview together about some of the changes mm-hmm. that the industry has gone through, um, and. And just for the sake of time, anybody sure. listening, they could go back to they could go to callmeadam.com and and check out that interview. So we don't have to And also about it. <laughs> also
0: um I've jaspercole.com, I archive all my uh interviews and I know yours are up there oh, as wonderful. well. Oh yeah. wonderful. Oh great. Yeah.
1: Great. So they could check out both our sites. Yes, Terrific. absolutely. That's amazing. Get, get that plug in there. Yes. <laughs> so now you, you sort of have made for for your acting career you you have been coined hollywood bad guy because you play a lot of bad guys Mm -hmm. yeah so
0: i well thank you i i always say i'm one of many bad guy i mean i i I get to work i there's so many wonderful character actors that are also in that group you know yes i want to pay homage to them
1: Yes, but but I'm focusing on you today. Thank you. Okay. Well, then there you have it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Exactly. Tip so, your waitress. Yeah. <laughs> so how um, I guess how how did you sort of get to be part of that that group of of Hollywood bad guys? And my, my understanding, from what I can tell, is is like you you haven't had that. Um, you haven't been like a series regular yet on a, on a show. You no. really have made your career as like, you know, a, 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 either a recurring role, a guest role or co-star, you know, or, co-star or film, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're in films yeah. here and there. So, um, you know, for, for people out there listening who, who have that like vision of, I have to be, I have to get that sitcom or I have to get that mm. drama show. Could you maybe speak to a little bit about sort of, what it's like to be in that group of like I'm one of the Hollywood bad guys and sort of how you sort of manage right. your career that way
0: yeah i always say my my career's been much more of a marathon than a sprint you know but mm-hmm. um i've i've actually been i've done 14 tv pilots where I was a series regular, but I, but they never got picked up. Mm. So, um, so you, you come to the point of realizing, you know, what happens is I I always say, God, if I could go back and look back on my career and just would have enjoyed the, the journey, the process a lot more, because I was so focused on, like you said, getting that series regular Mm -hmm. that I didn't sort of realize I was accumulating a nice career along the way, but I wasn't really always in the moment. Mm-hmm. Of en- enjoying it, um, so I think that I, comes with age, that perspective. Uh, yeah, it comes yeah. with age, and so that's why when, sometimes I do meet young people, and and they're they're very old. So they have an old soul, you know, and mm-hmm. they seem to got that early. At, whereas I didn't, but I think what happened for me is I had built up a solid career of credits, but I was always sort of the sidekick, the the best friend. There was nothing about me that stood out. I wasn't typical leading guy and I didn't really look like a bad or creepy character actor. So um, Mm -hmm. when I turned 40, about 15, 16 years ago, I got um, a series called prom queen. It's one of the very first internet web series. And it was Michael Eisner um, who did it. And I got cast to play Mm -hmm. the mean, abusive, a stepfather to one of the lead actors. And that was really one of the first times I had played a, a tough guy or a bad guy. And I, I liked it so much. And apparently people responded to it <laughs> that I was like, Oh, I guess this is what I should have been doing the whole time. But, you know, again, I think, um, you have to kind of find your lane, you know, mm-hmm. and know, and know what you, you do best. And for me, it took me, you know, 15 years to, to find that. But I then I made a conscious choice. You know, I, I grew my hair out, I, I, I grew a beard, I really wanted to sort of make my look kind of its own look. And mm-hmm. um, TV and film is a, all about a look really about being a type. And yes. uh, I was just blessed. You know, the good thing is that I had all those years of, of meeting the casting people, and knowing the casting people so they knew who i was but i had to sort of reintroduce myself um i did have the advantage of having already been here for a while mm-hmm. um but um it, in hindsight i guess it was subconsciously kind of a choice um but it's the best thing i ever did because i got typecast and i know there's a lot of uh, a lot of actors were taught from drama school on you, you know you you can play every role and Well, I always say that's where theater is great. You can go do theater and you can stretch and try different things. But in TV and film, they really do need, they need to pigeonhole you. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to work and you want to be consistent, um, I, I tell young actors, try to find out which lane you fit in, not which lane you want to be in, Mm -hmm. but which one do you really fit in and pursue that and don't change all these things about yourself that the industry is going to try to tell you, you know, change your voice, lose weight, whatever it is. Generally speaking, the thing that makes that actor unique is what's going to get them the the jobs down the line eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but it's hard to know that when you're young.
1: Right. Right. No, that's a great outlook. you, You that you have on it and a great perspective that you're able to give now to young actors about it. Let's move on to, um, we're going to leave your acting behind for now. And um, let's move on to your podcast. Sure. One-on-one with Jasper Cole. So how did you get into podcasting? How did you decide how you wanted your format to be? What are you, What's it like to podcast today?
0: Yeah. Um, so in 2010, I was promoting a movie, um, MacGruber, which was an SNL comedy. And that was probably one of the first really big press junkets i had been on all over the country and so i was i would i was doing a lot of radio and uh I did. I kept getting this response like, you you know, wow, you'd be really you, people would say to me, you're really nothing like your characters. Mm. You're really funny or you're really bitchy or you're really <laughs> caustic or whatever they were really trying to say. Um, Have you thought about doing r- radio? And I was like, no, I, you know, but it's funny, again, how you put it out there. And I, I came to L.A. back home and I was doing an Internet radio show Um at LA Talk Radio, and Tony Sweet was the host, and he said to me, "I'm going to be starting my own company. You should do a, a radio show with me and I w- with us." And I said, well, "What would I talk about?" And he goes, "Well, why don't you make an, an entertainment show?" So I had a show called mm-hmm. "On the Set" with Jasper Cole, and that's where Ralph Cole Jr. and I started. Yes, <laughs> and it was just basically it was a two-hour live. We had live guests in the studio, and it was all entertainment. And we, I, my goal was to to bring on like craft service and boom technicians, and a lot of the people in the industry that don't get sort of the attention, along with actors mm-hmm. and all that. And so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I did that for five years, and then um, I decided I wanted to do a, a more one-on-one sit-down with just an hour format. So I was offered that at uh, global voice broadcasting. So, so I did that. And so basically from that, I segued over into uh, just making it a podcast and going in a, a studio in Hollywood and sitting down with my guest. And now with the COVID um, I'm, I'm on blog talk because uh, obviously I can't see a person, somebody in person, but you know, it's Adam, it's interesting in some ways it's been better because it's opened me up to so many people all over the world that can mm-hmm. call, call in and i'm not locked into having to they
1: don't have to be in la to to talk to them right that's how i feel too like i was recording at our studio in the city but now this has allowed me doing it remotely to also like talk to people that are not in new york necessarily yeah, I think
0: what I'm going to do, I've decided if, if we we're ever, you know, let go again, is, uh, <laughs> if we're ever unleashed, um, I, I th- I'm going to continue. So right now I do the show every Thursday night at six Pacific time live on Blog Talk. Mm-hmm. But I think when um, I'm going to continue it and then when I have a guest that really wants to, you know, wants to sit down, I'll go into L.A. and we'll sit down in the, the studio and I think I'm going to do both. Just as that's an option. Incredible.
1: Yes. That no, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I mean, I think going forward too, of course, I love to be in the studio with with the guests because there's a different yes. different dynamic. Mm-hmm. But if there is somebody, at least I I know at least you know, if there's somebody outside of New York that uh, I really want to talk to, I know there's an option for it at least. So Yeah, that's
0: one good thing about um this whole COVID right now is we we're, we're learning You know, I've been doing this um, audio scripted TV pilot podcast that, you know, it was it's it was written for the camera, but we've been Mm -hmm. doing it um, similar to this. You know, the technicians are in New York and we all have our headphones and micro microphones and we're basically we're acting out the pilot, just not on camera. And it's I have to tell you, it's really freeing as an actor um, to not have the camera there when when it's just you doing the dialogue in a script, it's it's been a really great thing for me because I've really never done voiceover work or anything oh. like that. Oh, interesting.
1: Yes. I will say like one thing I've noticed too, like doing the podcast as opposed to a video interview, there's a lot less pressure on mm-hmm. I put on myself or on my end that I have to worry about than when, like you said, there's a camera in front of you. Right. Oh, at least yeah. if you, if you black out, you can cut it out. You can, you know, audio, you right. can edit it. Out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But
0: yeah, so that's, that's how it all started. And I fell in love with it. And Ralph and I had this great chemistry. Now, now that I'm back doing the uh, blog talk show, Ralph is back with me. You know, that's just an example with chemistry. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same, with, same with acting. You you either have chemistry or you don't. And a yes. lot of times as actors, we have to fake it because we get hired and, you know, we're on the set with someone and it's just such a blessing when it's just natural
1: chemistry. So I was, I was going to say you, you and Ralph have very genuine chemistry together. Well, it's, thank so, you. it's so much fun to listen to. Thank you. Now, one aspect of your podcast that I love is you, you had this, uh, limited series called, um, the horrors and heroes of homelessness Mm -hmm. and it was to help my understanding is that it's to help to help bring light to the serious problem of homelessness not only in la but across the country right i mean it
0: started with this the uh, incredible homelessness situation in la um there's a gentleman named General Jeff. Um, they, they, he's kind of been called the mayor of Skid Row, but he's, mm. he's really a boots on the ground. Uh, he's a former music uh, rap artist and writer who kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to move down to that vicinity and live in that area and become a, an activist and advocate for the homeless. And so mm. he's been down there now 10 to 12 years and I had him as a guest on my show, fell in love with him, and we try to do it one episode a month for sure,
1: mm-hmm. just
0: updating, you know, because it's been a real education on the bureaucracy of homelessness and the mm-hmm. pl- the, uh, the funding and the, the, once again, anytime politics gets involved, you know, it's a messy situation. And um, it's been a real education for me and my listeners just in, in ways that we can help the homeless besides we've always been taught it's like give them food and you know give them money and um it's just such a, a quagmire of bureaucracy so we started it focusing on LA and and then we kind of branched out cuz uh, sadly and and sadly I realize now with what's happening with the with the industry you know with the economy I think we're going to see more and more Homelessness, yes, going to happen. So yeah, yes. especially
1: with so many people out of work and. Well, yeah, I mean, in New York already, in
0: LA and San Francisco, the rents are so astronomical. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the face of homelessness. I mean, because you know, I have played many homeless people, and that's kind of how it was brought to my attention one day. Is you know, Jasper, you play a lot of homeless people, and have you ever thought about really trying to do help? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I haven't. Honestly, that was, you know, that was an, an awakening for me. So, but I, it's been educational for me and every, every episode, I learned something new um, from, from Jeff. And um, our next one is going to be May 21st. Um, on oh, it's Bl- terrific. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I, and he's going to be, I'm sure have a real update with the, what's been happening in Skid Row with COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside of LA as well. So thank you for bring you know bringing that to everyone's attention.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Well, hopefully everybody listening will tune in to that special episode. What would you say if if you had to sort of sum up something that you have learned of how you can help the homeless aside from donating to charities and giving money? What what something? What has been your takeaway from uh from this series?
0: The yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing is really educate yourself on your representatives in your cities, uh, the 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 politicians that are that are saying that they are advocates for the homeless, and really look at what they've done or not done during their tenure, because it all starts with the politicians that are that are overseeing each uh, city and government. And so, so much of the funding, what's happened is it's become a multi-billion dollar industry because every, for more funding is all based on the numbers. And so in a sad kind of way, the more homeless you have, the higher, the funding rates go up, the more positions that are created, six, Mm. six figure paying positions, that run a lot of these corporations so really you have to start voting in and voting out vote in the right people vote out the wrong people um because that's the only way it's got to be someone that's really boots on the ground in those in those communities and know about proper housing you know rent control and stuff like that but it it can just be so overwhelming when you think about the paperwork and just for example um you have to go online. A lot of this stuff has to be online and how many mm-hmm. homeless people actually have computers. Right. And right. in the, you know, and the face of homelessness has changed. It's not just mental illness and drug addicts. We've mm-hmm. got single mothers and intact families that are with children that are homeless. So they don't have a computers. And, and so that I, I would honestly say if you can afford it, hand out lap, uh, laptops and tablets because mm-hmm. so much of what they need is being able to go online to register for a lot
1: of the uh, social services that are available mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's great to know. And um, and hopefully everybody listening, yeah, especially in this election year, as you look over who you want to vote for and, and mm-hmm. officials, this is something that you'll take into consideration when looking at your candidates. Right. Exactly. Cause I, I was educational for me, like I said, and I considered
0: myself pretty savvy and, you know, politically savvy and all that. And I, it's, it's, I look, I so look forward in a, in a weird way to every time Jeff comes on because it's always something new and all of, all of my episodes, like you are archived on iTunes and all the usual platforms. So. Yes. Yeah, so you can go back wanna, and listen yeah. to them. And on my website too, everything's there. So. Yes, which is great.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, um, uh, let's we're going to start wrapping up my portion of the interview. Um, and um, uh, we're going we're gonna to just take a quick little break. And when we come back, we're going to play a quick game. And then we'll flip the mic to you. Okay, great. The new 2023 Ford Escape is the perfect getaway car. Featuring an available 13.1-inch center stack screen, 360-degree camera, and Bang & Olufsen sound system and spatial flexibility for extra legroom. The new 2023 Ford Escape. Learn more at Ford.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change.
0: Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. And travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami.
1: No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year.
0: Or, mmm, Palm Springs.
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. And now we're back. So we are going to play a game based upon your Hollywood bad guy persona <laughs> okay. image. All right. So my first question is, what is the baddest date you ever had?
0: And when we say baddest, I'm going to assume the worst. And for this question, <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, um, I, I've been, that listen, I, I've been very lucky. I, I don't have a lot of them, but I think, probably one of the worst is early, early in my career in LA. I, I, I went out with someone who we went to dinner and uh, this particular guy was a little bit older. And um, I, I, I said to him at one point, you must've had a long day. You seem really tired. And he said, yeah, I didn't get my nap in today. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so as the dinner progressed, I mean, when I say yawning, I mean like so loud yawning where people were turning around <laughs> in the restaurant to the point where I kid you not, at one point his head completely went forward and his chin, he fell asleep.
1: I- oh my God.
0: At the table. And this oh was like, God. you know, this is pre internet. This is pre yes. <laughs> anything. And I'm sitting there like, I'm like 25 years old thinking, seriously? Is-? But I was already kind of. Uh, Kind of a smart ass even back then. So I literally just quietly tiptoed and snuck away from the table. And I, I mean, I called a taxi (laughs) and I left. And the funny thing is when I saw him, of course, you know, the problem is you go to the same gym When I saw him again, he thought it would be even better to tell me he had narcolepsy. (laughs) Oh my god! And I was like, "Well, you know, you could have told me that before."
1: But obviously, that was not a love connection by any means. Well, that's it. That's an incredible story. I've not heard something like that before. So I love it. (laughs) Yeah, that's my my worst. Now, this next question, I say baddest, but I'm gonna mean like the best best. Yeah. So what's the baddest prank you've ever played on a co-star or you've had played on you on set?
0: Uh, You know, I was thinking about this last night. And again, this is back to Becky Kennedy, who I was doing Willow Springs with. I just won't ever forget this, nor will she to this day. Let me forget it. But (laughs) back when we were still in Atlanta, and we were doing our show. It was around Christmas time and I decided to have a Christmas last cast party at my house in Atlanta. And Becky, I knew, was doing children's entertainment shows where she would dress up in different characters. So I told her that the party was going to be an actual costume party and that we were all dressing up in different Christmas characters. And so I will never forget, everybody's there. Becky also is notoriously late. Just it's just it's She's just late for everything. So I knew she'd be the last one there. And I will never forget seeing... The top of her head coming down because I was in the basement apartment and I could see the top of this white hair coming down. She was fully dressed as Mrs. Claus from oh head to toe. I mean, with the granny glasses, the dress <laughs> and everything. And when she opened the door, we all yelled surprise. And everybody else is just in like normal, you know, attire. And she's in full Christmas regalia and she she pulled it off really well but i think that's the worst i you know i have never i've never had a prank pulled on me on set oh wow never i was i thought i really thought hard about it um i i've been around you know other people pranking people on sets Mm -hmm. but nothing's happened to me uh and i've always been too uh too, I guess, too afraid to do it to somebody else. Mm. But, but now I think I'm going to. Now that I was going to, you put that thought in my head.
1: Yes, I was also going to say for for any anybody listening that is going to be working with Jasper watch once out. everything opens up, well, watch out. But or play a prank on him. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I'm going
0: to be on to you, so it better be really good.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um, so now if you had to pick one song to represent your Hollywood bad guy image, what song would you choose? I'm coming out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um
0: I am what I am. I could keep going. Um I think bad to the bone. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> I know that's kind of on the nose, but if yeah. you but if you know me like Jasper as Jasper, that's uh-huh. really not my cup of tea at all. But yeah. But it's it it would all the characters I play I I could see them rocking that song, so that would be sort of the that in that any kind of a rock song like that would be in the genre. Jasper himself would be you know it would be much more show tunes and yeah,
1: and, and, uh, <laughs> I love that and
0: and R and B. I'm a big R and B
1: lover. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And my my last question of the game now I was. Preface this with: I tried to ask you this in our one of our email interviews, and you told me that if you told me the answer to this question, you would have to kill me. So I'm risking my life asking this question again. But what's the baddest thing you've ever done?
0: Well, I, my first response is to say I probably the worst thing probably hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. I Meaning, and and I'm assuming you mean in real life, right? Not, yes. Okay. Um, the baddest thing I've done. Is probably mm, I, I've been thinking hard about it, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking that it's probably when I was uh, cheating in school. You know, cheat- <laughs> I actually cheated on the SAT, and now. Compared what? to what... I know, right? Compared... To, now, listen. Compared to what's been happening with Felicity Uffman and everybody else... Yes. I mean, I... I it's I, not I, so bad. I, let me... The, the reason I'm saying this, when I say cheated, I'm saying I, I I may have had a little piece of paper in my hand. But, oh. but, but having said that, the saddest <laughs> part is I still scored really bad. Oh, that, my God. That's on, so funny. On my, on my first time around. And so... <laughs> When I, when my parents saw the score, I thought, I thought, well, I'm going to tell them I actually, <laughs> I actually <laughs> cheated and they were like, well, see. And, and then the next time I did it, I didn't, didn't have my little uh, cheat card and I did much better. I didn't do great, but I did much better. So
1: oh my goodness. full disclosure.
0: Yes. I had a cheat sheet mm-hmm. in my hand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even, nowadays I think they do it online. I'm sure on the computer, but.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I don't have, I I actually don't know anyone who's taken it recently. I don't (laughs) don't have, I mean, I don't have kids and I don't have any friends that have kids that age. So. Yeah,
0: so I actually, I'm admitting to the fact that I was a very bad
1: boy and I had a cheat sheet for my initial SAT. I love it. And mm-hmm. thank God we're we're in social distancing because now you can't kill me right now. So. And, the, and the
0: statute of limitations, I'm sure, has run out. So Exactly, yes. Yeah, can't be like, arrested, great. or my parents can't
1: be arrested. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, well, I always end my interviews asking this question, playing off of the title of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. So if you were to bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you've never told before, what would you tell me today? <sighs>
0: Well, I have a revelation to announce that Hollywood's bad guy is a very proficient baton twirler. Oh,
1: wow. (laughs) I love that. And I want if you could do me a huge favor, Uh if you could actually send me like a less than two minute video of you baton twirling, I would be forever grateful because I will post it on my on my video series that I do about what people are doing while they're in quarantine at home.
0: Well, don't tempt me because I will, because yeah, I When I was five years old, my next door neighbor was the head majorette at the university of Georgia. She had a little group of girls called the Dixie dolls. She thought it was so funny and cute that this little boy would come over and they taught me how to twirl a baton. (laughs) Then they made me the majorette. I mean, the drum major. And, and in the Christmas parade, I marched in front of them with this little tiny baton and twirled and we won the mayor's trophy when I was five years old. So oh my God. maybe you know what Adam, that could have been my first foray into show business actually. Yes. 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 I heard the applause of the parade. <laughs> so I and oh, actually so funny. It's like riding a bike. You don't I can twirl it through all five fingers. So wow. I am well, mu- to- I am multi-talented. You are
1: you have to send me that video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, well I will. Uh, terrific. Well now that's the end of the interview portion of me. I'm so glad we got to do this. Likewise. Thank you. You're welcome. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story For he happens to
0: be in the know Just ask anybody who's had Adam, Adam for the business of show Call me adam.com.
1: Find more episodes of Burying It All with Call Me Adam at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere podcasts are streamed, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Call NYC. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. And finally, If you really want to get involved, become a member of my Patreon page at patreon.com backslash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get exclusive perks, including behind-the-scene photos, videos, and everybody's favorite swag.